0: Positive feedback loop.
1: Three, two, one. Hi, welcome to Positive Feedback Loop. This is Luis. This is Ray.
0: And this is Stephanie.
1: And this is the show where we talk talk about things that we find personally interesting and we delve in deeply into them and all learn something about each other with each other. Okay. So, getting us started today, the topic for the day has is apparently laughter. This is a topic <laughs> that I found out about literally while walking down in the door. As that's Stephanie not and Ray that, berated me, <laughs> <laughs> we we WhatsApp. We, we we're we're
2: discussed that. this, and and you you saw the messages and understood what was happening in this. I don't know. I, Friday Friday I was
1: greeted. I was greeted today with uh, you guys jump doing jumping jacks around me and laughing and pointing at me, and I was like, what is happening?
2: Well, we heard that you were not a morning person, so we decided to, you know, welcome you in the best way we could imagine.
0: Yeah, I was imagining it like, you know, a football intro.
2: Yeah. It's like a pep Uh... rally. We had a pep rally for your entrance. You should be really, you know, appreciative of what we've done today. Yeah. Yeah. I don't feel particularly, I I didn't get pep from it. I feel it was more
1: just action (laughs) <laughs> around me
0: so we were expending our morning energy for nothing is that what you're saying,
1: so, what you're saying? It's okay. i appreciate it thank you for trying so, yeah.
0: for the listeners yeah. we usually mm. record episodes in the afternoon but we woke up in the wee hours of the morning to record this episode it is about laughter
1: yes yes laughter so what is it that makes us laugh what are some of the things that we
2: know about laughing and I mean, we're, we're we're not comedians. And, and there's and there's two different th- types of things, right? There's humor, and then there's laughter. And you can't say, yeah, they're re- they're related, but they're not exactly the same thing. Yeah, I think right? a lot
0: of researchers think that laughter is a social phenomenon that, it th- that you don't have to have humor to laugh.
2: Right, and like the physiological benefits that you can receive while laughing, and just being able to recall a, a, a time of intense laughter. It's very um, beneficial just for, for your entire, your spirit as well as your body, just your mind in general.
1: I'm going to take us extremely off topic here for a second, but did you guys pick your laugh?
2: So, no, that's not off topic Like, at did all. I that's brand myself? Question. No, no, because I think, laugh? I think, like, the people's laughs question. evolve over it's time, It's an evolution. Right? It's a natural evolution. Right. It has to be.
1: Like, not, I'm not talking, I like, think. literal evolution, like the concept of, like, right, just, right. Just, uh, it's you know, natural selection impl- impacting what laugh you have. I think it's more you, as a social creature, over time, change the way you laugh to basically either resemble laughs that you enjoyed or if you're just completely tone deaf to yourself. You just keep whatever you had and keep going with life.
2: So let's but. look at it this way: your your voice <laughs> Steph and, seems to be enjoying the moment. Well, a person's voice changes over time, right? When you're like a baby, you have like you're, you're high pitched and just like squealing and laughing. That's like your way of laughing, right? When you get older, you I'm sure you guys can imagine when you're like like seven, like. Or eight, or just playing with your siblings or something, and you had like these moments of just ridiculous funny things and you couldn't stop laughing. Like you couldn't. Like maybe yeah, uncontrollable,
0: un-controllable laughter that just like and it pours out of you in mm-hmm. cascading yeah, bubbles like of you're laughing. literally
2: like so like mm-hmm. broken you can't really move. You're laughing so much. I think
0: Wow, you had a good childhood. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I,
1: I think really one of the hardest laughs I've ever had. And I remember particularly hard laughs because that means that like there was something funny enough that I was laughing. Bruce Almighty I enjoyed back in the day. I think I was still like either just becoming a teenager. I mean it was teenager, but So that made you laugh a lot. The, there was a moment. Do, with, do you, uh, you remember the scene when Yeah it was, it was it's like I think it's pretty well known. It's uh and so Steve Carell and Jim Carrey. Uh, and Jim Carrey, yeah. And Jim Carrey's basically making Steve Carell say really stupid things because he's God. Oh yes. Yeah 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 when yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. he was gonna make him raise from a teleprompter yeah that was a funny yeah. moment. I yeah. actually experienced I that remember too. basically Choking with laughter. (laughs) I I thought I was going to die. (laughs) And that was such a long time ago, yeah. But, I I mean, I have those all the time where... I I think I have moments all the time where I fall into the giggle loop. And I've described this before, I think, on the podcast. Um, And for listeners who may not have heard that episode, basically the giggle loop is a concept I took out of a show called Coupling. The whole concept is it's when you have that moment that... You're trying not to laugh at something, and by actively not trying to laugh, trying not to laugh, you find the situation funnier, and then that kind of becomes a loop where you are keep finding the situation funnier and funnier and funnier the more you try and try and try stuff, stuff from laughing, and then you just guffaw at the end.
0: I, in high school when my friends and I would all, you put your head on someone else's stomach, and the first person would have to just say, ha, huh? so their diaphragm would make their stomach go up and your head would bounce. Because your head is on their stomach. Interesting. Right? And then you're all linked, right? Somebody's head is on somebody else's stomach. This is a girl thing, anyway. I, yeah. I was <laughs> like, <laughs> go on. Like, like the back of your head, because you're lying on your. Are all laying on your back, and you're, every, you're all chain linked, basically, right? Yeah. So the first person goes ha, and then the second person goes. Ha, ha. Oh, because you move the first, your stomach right? a little bit? Like, yeah. yeah. So by the by, by the eighth person, your head is going up and down, like bouncing on someone's stomach eight times in a row.
1: I can't see the you being able
0: to get is, past ha, ha. But then the point is that everybody starts laughing, <laughs> yeah. and so everybody's heads are bouncing and everybody's yeah. laughing and it's making things worse. Yeah.
2: That is something I want to try.
0: <laughs> podcast well, bonding moment?
1: May, maybe at the, uh, at the annual PFL a, podcast uh, party. Ex- uh, what was it? What is it? What, what is that? Uh, oh, Expo? slumber party. No, no, no. What <laughs> is that? Like companies do, uh, retreat? We'll a do that
2: retreat. Retreat. Yeah. We have a retreat with a PFL podcast
0: retreat. our like VIP yeah. listeners.
2: That's actually a great idea. I'm we actually. I, I I need to. Uh, Donations are being accepted for the PFL Podcast Retreat. So yeah. please, uh, check out our website.
1: Uh, we'll do it at the Himalayas so that we can really be as.
0: Loud as we want. Yeah,
1: loud as we want. <laughs> That's a really good reason. <laughs> actually, I'm pretty sure the Himalayas are pretty, pretty dang vis- well visited, while well with uh the Everest and all that. More people mm. can hear us. There's better. a lot. In fact, there's a, yeah. there's a big problem with trash at Everest. If I'm not mistaken. Really. Yeah, because they have Tourist so trash? many tourists. They actually like ask tourists that, to pick up trash on the way down. Is that funny? Is that funny? I
2: I think so. It's funny that there's trash all over the Everest. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is it's funny? it's it's just deadly to the environment. Well, then we but should it's keep funny. talking about it. Yeah. That's good. <laughs>
1: when, I feel like we just had a gangster moment. Or you were just like, Is that a funny punk? <laughs> Did you find that funny? <laughs> is, talk-
2: is that, is that a ha-ha funny to you? <laughs> we should keep talking about it, yeah. It's um, uh, so because hey, it is a podcast today, our topic is laughter, that's why I'm saying we should continue if it's funny to you. Otherwise, guys, like, I was going to go into a Goodfellas moment, but I didn't do that. Right. Go ahead.
0: Goodfellas moment?
2: That, yeah, that's so literally what I was referring to. He was referring uh,
0: to
1: that scene. Right? I also have never seen the movie. I, I, just do, I just do it out of pop culture knowledge. You can't. I don't feel like you can do that. You Refer to things you've never seen? Yeah. Everyone does it. Do they? Yeah, of course. How many things that you're just tangentially aware of in pop culture affect the way you think about these situations? How many, for example... How many people do you know that like probably haven't even – like have, how many kids at this point have probably never seen The Matrix but are well aware of the ma- basic Matrix tropes? Be like doing it the might. falling back, slow motion, bullet dodging, that sort of thing. These are all – Oh, yeah. So, I mean, you know, you
2: did The Matrix. Man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. But like
1: there's people who haven't seen The Matrix to do it. I mean or who, who are aware of it. We're aware of so much pop culture. It's insane. And that's basically one of the ways I learned English.
0: Well, this Just. is what ha- it happens with memes, too. So, memes go yeah. through these memes mm. upon memes, like these meta-memes, where people are using memes for a completely new context that didn't exist before. Like, children who use memes not knowing the history that meme has been through, I guess. Right,
2: so memes are actually <laughs> kind of, to me, I think, or at least what I've kind of inferred from everything I've read, is memes are social genes. They get passed on.
1: Yeah, that's the the theory from uh, Dawkins. No, from Dawkins yeah, Richard obviously. Dawkins, yeah, yeah, Richard Dawkins, who famously a geneticist who then became a very uh, like a leading idea, a leader on memes, kind of, but mostly yes. then went on for also a very, advocating for a, a, an atheist. I think was like a
2: prestigious biologist and also yeah. um, pronounced uh, atheist as well. Yeah, and he's written books like The God Delusion. Yeah,
1: that's basically what it's known for. Um, But yeah, the idea of memes as kind of social currency and as just a thing with a life of its own that tries to expand on itself. And in fact, it's actually one of the things that helps helps them survive longer. Mm -hmm. And it's that, um, as opposed to, for example, laughter, which has, I think, a really quick turnaround time on the internet, uh, outrage is far more lasting. And I think tends to be a far stickier yes. for memes. I um, that as well. Uh, laughter on the for like the whole for the most part, people will find something funny, and then the joke will get really old, and then it'll be dead. And then maybe there's that'll be like laughter that comes from it being played at Infinitum, because there's kind of like that cycle on laughter where if you say the same thing enough times, it becomes funny again
2: and funnier <coughs> than it ever was before. Or isn't that process very similar to how you know we laugh at things even though we're trying hard not to laugh about something but we laugh at it because we know that we're aware of being trying to not laugh at it it's kind of the same thing I
1: think it's a related concept
2: concept. there's also the humor in irony like ironic
0: humor where you are laughing at something because it's not funny and therefore it's funny kind of the whole hipster movement really i think i think for me <laughs> okay the, that's not the whole hipster movement
1: but. oh but I, I agree i think but i think that the main thing for me that i enjoy out of the one the main thing i like watching kind of ironically is just bad movies and um that's not a particularly nuanced stance there's really good bad movies out there
0: but that's a great example of something that's terrible and not funny and it becomes funny because it's so terrible and not funny
1: yeah, although I think there's there's something very important about it. Because there's the movies have this, at least in my opinion, there's like a range of badness. And this range of badness can be dictated on, does the movie bore me? Mm. Or is it madcap? And is it on purpose? Like if there there has to be, the best bad movies are the ones that are flawed, but passionate. Like snakes on a plane? I don't know what's nice in a plane. It feels it feels like it was two on the nose, but uh, things like what? the room become classics because I don't know if you are familiar with the room. <laughs> no.
0: Nah.
2: What's the room? The room is a. Wait, I think you've mentioned this. Yes, yeah, so I, I mentioned this. Your this like private time. Yeah. yeah.
1: The room is a cult classic. Louis' favorite favorite uh, movie. It's a, my favorite bad movie, oh, and it's, that's not better. a particularly up thing to say because at this point, it's everyone's favorite mm-hmm. bad movie. Uh, mostly because it's just so well-known, but it was a movie made I think in like 2001 or two, uh on a budget of like $2 million by a complete unknown called Tommy Wiseau, who no one knows anything about. I mean, uh, one of his co-stars would later wrote a book about him and that's getting made into a movie about the making of this movie that I'm talking about right now. The entire point of the movie is that it's about this one guy and he's so good and how Tommy, uh, Johnny Wizzo, well, Johnny, who is played by Tommy Wizzo, is just the best guy, and he is awfully treated by his girlfriend. His girlfriend cheats on him with his best friend, and oh god, isn't that a terrible thing. That's basically the entire plot, but it's so crazy and silly and done all with heart. Like, the guy, it, it's obvious he cared about what he was doing, but he just did it so terribly. Despite caring that you can't help but not find joy in it, I don't know. It's one of those wonderful things.
0: Plus, well, it's like old space movies where they feel like they're being super—I don't know—forward-thinking by having planet models of planets showing and you know something flying through space. But now we can really see the strings and laugh at them. You know these strings holding up the planets yeah. or whatever, and we think, "Ha ha!" I mean, I remember an entire summer. Between two years of high school, my friends and I would stay up every night of summer and watch a different bad sci-fi movie. It had to be old and bad, preferably black and white, but not necessary. And we would write the funniest quotes up on a ranked system of funniest quotes. So sometimes things would get bumped. And there would be quotes like "I'm gonna kill you until you're dead," <laughs> 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 like things that were said like with such passion by the actors. But you, when you think about the statements, you think this is so ridiculous. Anyway, we had a lot of fun with that sci-fi. I think we, I mean, we watched every night of the summer, so that had to be at least sixty. How did you okay. record it?
2: Did you write it on a board or something? Yeah, they... yeah,
0: we just had a list going.
2: Can I just? <clears throat> I need to uh, to
1: know. Out of this gauntlet of badness, ultimate. what was the ultimate
2: champion? What was the number one quote? <sighs> also funniest that one. Because yeah. it's
1: it's it's a
0: we had a winner because we ranked things. Yeah, if you
1: were ranking them and that you kept bumping things off, it's basically like a winner takes all situation. Yeah, it right? really was. So, Really I, I really want to know who I was what was the last man standing out of this like?
0: Oh, I wish I remembered. You I did mean, a it was... service
2: to society. I feel like
0: was, <laughs> ranking this... these bad sci-fi yeah, Well, this was back in the days of Blockbuster, so we, as friends, would go and I don't know if were you
1: a Blockbuster
0: a little, fans. Do you ever, I never used one. Okay,
1: but mm-hmm. that, that's not because like I wasn't aware of them. I just I'm a little older. Did, it was so... in my neighborhood, but it was very kind of yeah. dangerous to get there. Oh
0: my dear. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so far we've oh, we been laughing at all the wrong things yeah. in this episode anyway
1: oh, uh, crime crime <laughs>
0: this is this is like the third time Louise has laughed at <laughs> danger and crime anyway when I was in high school Blockbuster was still a thing as was Hollywood Video and we would go all the group of friends of us we'd go and it would take us an hour to decide on which movie we were going to rent that night and we'd take turns paying for the movie or something I don't remember how it happened and we decide on this movie and we'd rent it and we would bring it back to somebody's house it was a whole production see
1: I, I feel like that's something that we kind of don't have anymore in a way like we I think this is one of the dangers of Netflix and that since everything is recommended to you it's much harder to find things that are outside the norm in the right way like if you put down uh bad movie as like a, a category that are like funny bad movie because there's you know boring bad movie and those are the worst kind of bad movies, <laughs> but the, the funny bad movies are, they are the worst. as a category in Netflix. I'm sure that the, that's a thing, but but I'm not sure you it really could discover. Be. Isn't well,
0: that subjective?
1: Well, I mean, it, but basically it's just people giving it a low rating and then saying funny in the recommendation probably. Like that's one of those things. Right. Like, I'm sure there's some it's so way horrible that, that yeah. it's funny ranking. Yeah. That's definitely a thing. I mean, there's there's definitely some way that. Netflix has found to categorize Sharknado, right? That's definitely, a, there's definitely something they've done. I mean, they have Birdemic, which is another awful, awful independent movie that people find funny. There's something they got to be able to do with that. And I think Birdemic was on Netflix. <clears throat> but I feel like that kind of loses that just discovery moment that you might have if you just go to a store and like just look at what seems really dumb and then pick it up. Um, for example, there's a, a, a channel on YouTube called Red Letter Media. They're pretty famous for doing like Star Wars reviews for like hour-long Star Wars reviews. I'm talking like multi-hour-long. They really get into like super big depth on some things, but they also have other shows. One of them is called Best of the Worst, where basically they just go through this like gigantic library of VHS tapes from the '90s or of like independent movies that were really small budget, just B movies, yeah. and just watch all of them. And sometimes real wonderful things come out of them, including the works of Neil Brain. If you're not familiar with who Neil Brain is, he is a independent uh, film pr- uh, creator. Uh, that's probably the best way I can phrase his existence. And he all, always makes movies about how he is a god uh, who uh, will, is single-handedly the world's best hacker. Uh, Martial artist, <laughs> and <laughs> like the only one who knows about all the secret conspiracies and is going to save the world but he's isn't really, director. and then like people just die. Yeah, he's his director. Yeah, okay. he's everything. And it, <laughs> his work is so bad, but it's amazingly complicated. There isn't, but it's something that you need to experience with friends. Yeah. To really experience the Neil Breenness. It's a bonding yeah. time. Yeah, it's, and, that's not something I feel like you would just run into if you were having these complicated systems. I think there's something special about that discovery rather than
2: the, mm. I don't know, the more... You're saying. So you're saying we're losing way. that value of being able to go into the Blockbuster with friends, randomly finding something. Well, I think we're not losing it. We've lost it. Blockbuster's gone. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you never like pull up Netflix, though, with friends and say, what should we watch? You do.
2: You do, though. You do that. That's what I was going to argue. I was going to say that you're just not
0: walking around a store, kind of picking things. Yeah, up. Yeah, you're so, not
2: spending the the tra- travel but, time. But but there's it's really only one person. Looking it's actually on more tablets. time.
1: Hmm? But for the most part, isn't it just one person? Looking one on person tablets? with
0: the controller. I yeah. guess that it's more scattered control when you're at Blockbuster. Yeah. Anyone can pick up a movie. That's a Whereas good point. Whereas if you're at someone's house, maybe someone has a controller and they're like, "Well, no, how about this?" Yeah, and it's not and just, just these passive. But it's not just makers. someone at home.
1: It's that it's someone at home with their account. Right. Which has their right. recommendation system, not the group's recommendation system. So right? I
0: like wigging out Netflix. So mm-hmm. I do this on purpose because I know Netflix is saying, well, you should watch these shows, these, you know, suggested shows yeah. because. So I usually go to suggested shows, look at all of them, and then I go back into search and start searching words until I find movies that would be completely opposite to whatever it would recommend so I can throw it off. I do this all the time. So I have watched shows that are completely different genres or I try to, I try to wig it out by watching like some foreign film that's really serious. And then I watch like a crazy, stupid comedy and then I go into a family show. Best finding. Best finding? What
1: was your best finding doing this method?
0: Well, actually, it was kind of a joint finding where uh, my husband, Nathan, found Chef's Table, which is actually really popular on Netflix.
1: Yeah, like, it's one of those things that gets recommended all the time. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, but another show that I found, well, I mean, Chef's Table is beautiful. It's like a work of art. I mean, it I've really is it. like one of the most. The show? Yeah. The show is a work of art. Wow. That's a,
2: that means a lot. It's
0: not, not even a show. It it's like, it's like you're witnessing art when you watch it. It's all about, it, it focuses on show? one chef and kind of their uh, philosophy toward food and cooking and okay. some other Gastronomy. aspect of their life. Yeah.
1: And then you found some other...
0: And then, else. but I found some other smaller little things that I would have never thought about. Like there's this kind of family sitcom show. I don't know what it was called. I can't remember the name, but basically it's about these two sisters that were switched at birth. Oh, it's called switched at birth. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's called switched at birth. So they're not sisters, but they consider themselves sisters because their families find each other, and then they end up, their lives get inter- intertwined, and hmm. they see the life they could have had in that other family. Anyway, I thought it was just like a sweet, you know, family, comedy, drama,
1: Everyone series.
0: something. But I wouldn't have found it if I'd just gone through my suggestions. Yeah,
1: interesting. That that's actually one a good method for throwing off your Netflix. Although sometimes people judge you by what Netflix recommends of you. Because that's kind of like an insight into the sort of things you tend to watch.
0: That's true. It gives you an insight into your, t- into your psychology.
1: This is why it's always helpful to be like, oh yeah, my little cousin uh, used my Netflix. That's what happened. <laughs> that's why there's so much
0: Pixar <laughs> or, on here. Yeah,
1: or my roommate used my Netflix. That's why all the weird things are on
0: it. I don't, I don't know what we're <laughs> talking about.
2: Can you give me, a, like, what was your most recent and mo- like intense laugh that you can remember this year or last year?
0: Most intense laugh?
2: Intense. Or something memorable?
0: I don't know. I mean, my more recent laugh, I remember when I was watching Gilmore Girls. Okay. And <laughs> and there are some, like, funny moments in Gilmore Girls where I laugh out loud. Um, there's also times when you get a text from a person, uh-huh. and they just text you an emoji. Okay. And you laugh. So I feel like I laugh a lot, but my, and my laughs are pretty much off the charts, too. Literally. <laughs> Off the PFL charts. Yeah, they literally are
1: off the charts.
2: Yeah, with that, I think um, this has been a great discussion on laughter. I think in the second part of this, we'll take it a bit deeper. So we're looking forward to you guys listening when we come back. (laughs) Wow, with a laugh like that, you're not going far, buddy.
1: I think you're going to have some trouble with that date without meeting, in fact, even at the theater. So what you need is a laugh assistant. The laugh assistant is our patented system that will replace your laughter with a patented and exclusive classy laugh, such as the classic (laughs) or the guffaw (laughs) or, even better, the daintier gentleman. <laughs> uh, 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 quite, uh, quite, quite good. Get the laugh assistant today. Available in stores near you and exclusively at the PFL Podcast Store. Hi, welcome back to Positive Feedback Loop. At the top of the show, we've been talking about uh, laughter.
0: Would you like to share? Uh, sure. This is kind of <laughs> so. Laughter is such an auditory thing. It's actually a, a sound that communicates to someone you're, in, you're enjoying that social connection. And the, the researcher, Robert Provine, who w- this was like late 90s, early 2000s, said that laughter is actually a, came with man walking on two legs because laughter poss- isn't possible for animals who walk on four legs because they have to make sounds as in sync with the rhythm of how they walk. Because that's how they breathe, hmm. and so when when you have man that can now walk on two legs, you can talk and laugh and do whatever out of sync with the rhythm of your walking on two, right? Because your your that's your forearms are free, right? I I,
1: I find that funny because uh, instantly as you were saying that, I was thinking of the the stereotype or the idea that hyenas laugh, right? Which I I, I don't know how that what that actually sounds Sometimes like or they, whether it. It could be considered anything similar to the way that humans laugh. I have no idea. I haven't looked into it. Um, and as uh, someone who is, with someone who knows more and more about animal biology, I, I I feel slight shame at that. But well, this is
0: also research from more than fifteen years ago. It is connected to breath. Yeah. Like the fact that that we can talk out of sync with our body movements is kind of this evolved trait trait thank you yeah, and it is
1: absolutely a social thing i mean when you see someone laughing hard you feel tempted to join it's contagious it's absolutely, absolutely contagious and and i think also another part of it is there's the, one other part of that social aspect is the recognition of this is a person i should be laughing at in sense not in the sense of like necessarily meanness but or laughing with and not in a sense necessarily of meanness but it's comedy like if you're a comedian you're a recognized laugh maker. So people are much more willing to throw you a bone and laugh with you, even if they're not sure about your intentions. So a lot of the time you'll see people, you know, who will make a joke, but they do it so masterfully and they're well recognized as someone who has the right to make that sort of joke. And they can get away with it and they can make people laugh at things that otherwise would have been too uncomfortable to laugh at. hmm So I think that's an interesting part of it. Where does that do we do we recognize someone and then laugh accordingly? Or do we just laugh at the skill of the joke telling? Is that the only thing involved? I
2: think both are very important. But what I also find interesting is how, you know, the things that we laugh at change over time. So the things I'm laughing about now are not things I would be laughing about when I was ten. It would be things that would be like probably like, you know, very confused about right just not not part of my daily experience in the same way like in 20 or 30 years in the future you'll think you know just imagine like older people now and they some of these people have quite a sick sense of humor because right? at the at the point where they are they they just don't care anymore and it's and it's funny it's a, it's a way it's a way for the body and humans to you know um de-stress actually finding those Challenging times in life, gallows humor, yeah, yeah. What well, can you explain that? Well, I mean, the
1: concept of gallows humor is just finding humor in the most awful things and based around just in generally death. Um, that's the the reason why a lot of people who work with people who are going to expire mm-hmm. have really messed up sense of humor. I mean, but that's what they do as to cope. Um, when you're around people who are. Who may not be around for too much longer and you're in charge of taking care of them it can be hard to f- find humanity in things sometimes so you make fun of things that's kind of how you cope with that situation
2: what i've also heard about is there's times when you, you're public caregiver and maybe it's not your family but someone from an agency is coming to take care of you daily basis kind of thing and if you want to joke around with them it's hard so there's this like disconnect between the caregivers and the elderly people because um, the the things that they want to joke about is seen as crude. So you'd hear, um, you know, caregivers saying, you know, you you should really be careful. That's not not appropriate things you're saying over there. It's kind of like making the older person feel bad about the thoughts that they have and not giving them that ability to explore and cope and just joke around.
1: Well, I think I think there's two parts here. One, I don't want to make any generalizations about older adults as having particular a particular type of sense of humor, right? Because that's... I mean, I work with older adults, and they have all, everyone's different. You know, it's the same as everyone else, except just older. That's basically what it, being older is, right? You're you're you, but you're just older. So that has different interplays that go into it, but in terms of the caregiver patient di- dynamic, these are people who are trying to be professional. And it can be difficult to be in that situation where you're basically invading in someone's daily life because you are helping them. That's your job to basically come in and take over things that usually were that person's own ability would take over. And then if they expect you to join in on them on a life nice laugh, it can be difficult if, you know, you might have a risk of that getting back to your office and then causing you to lose a job. That right. my this is where humor
0: becomes professionally a problem. Which and is interesting because laughter is a social thing, right? It's a social phenomenon.
1: So actually this kind of comes back to the idea of laughter versus outrage, mm-hmm. right? We have this, we're currently living in a world that's very interconnected that I'm stating something completely new and profound right now.
2: <laughs>
1: that is no it really that connected? Me. It's Louis, extremely Louis interconnected. <laughs> So we're in a very interconnected world and going back to the idea of outrage versus laughter, it, we have to take into account the fact that we are currently faced with a situation where if you put out a joke and you're not a recognized joke maker, let's say, you put out a joke and even if you are a recognized joke maker and it doesn't sit well with certain parts of your audience or people who are not meant to be your audience because it's impossible to control who actually receives your message because you can't get it take it out of people's heads once it's there. It's very easy for that to spiral out of just, oh no, I made a one-off remark, and it didn't go over well, especially if you're just a person, and not like a public figure, and for that to come back as, the entire world hates you now, die in a hole, we wish for your literal death, and we will get you fired. These are things that happen to people now.
0: So this is, this happened to, I watched a Comedians in Cars getting coffee, which is... Jerry yeah. A Jerry Seinfeld show. Yeah. show. Yeah. And he actually went with Michael Richards, who plays Kramer in yes. Seinfeld, and talked about this this event that happened basically to Michael Richards when he was doing stand-up comedy. Mm-hmm. Very well-known. Where owned. he yeah, was, was famous. you know, he said all of these racist remarks and was eventually just booed.
2: Well, his career died that day.
0: And, yeah, Yeah. everybody just, the outrage, all the laughter turned into outrage, which is interesting because you think the worst thing for a comedian could be no laughter, like apathy. People get bored watching you. But having it turn into outrage is this complete switch, 180 degrees. Well,
2: so you don't know the audience that day. That's one thing. But you also have to say he's a professional comedian. As a professional comedian, he should be able to understand the audience, say the right things, and... Get, either get out get himself out of that trouble by you know talking because yeah. that's what he does best he should have been able to figure I, it out.
1: I feel like I agree with Ray on this I think it's I an love occupational Kramer, hazard yeah he's he, a great character great but character. It's, a, it's an occupational hazard if your yeah. if your job is to push the envelope and you push too far you pushed too far
2: mm-hmm.
1: but that's also your job right so you're trying like that's you're th- threading that needle is the difficulty of comedy and there's people out there who are claim they're doing comedy, and all they're doing is really just taking that envelope, setting it on fire, and then like running around being like, "Look how funny I am!" Even though that they're not actually making jokes, they're just being extremely offensive. And that's another way you can do it. And if that's what your career is built on, for well, the most part, I would say that it's the audience. It's, the audience is self-selecting. But I think because people can say this person's a comedian, I will give them a chance. If they're not my type of humor, that's fine. But if it's so far out there that like it that it has a visceral effect on people, then you can have these situations where your career can basically just get wrecked. Or the other thing that can happen is you can become a champion for some people, mm-hmm. some particular some people who may, you, we may not like, or for people who may have no voice currently, right? There's that's the two sides of it. There's people who wanted a voice and were given it. And maybe those people are just underrepresented in the current system, and then there's the people who have a hateful voice, and they're also part of the subsection of people who with little, no voice. The hateful voice is loud, but we may not always be exposed to it because we have systems in place to avoid it. Um, and but this is a little different from just a Joe Schmo putting a a, a joke out there, like that woman who famously put out a tweet about. AIDS in Africa. When she was like going on a trip to Africa, she was had like twenty followers on tw- on Twitter. Right, this it was just Justine a Sacco. yeah, yeah. And yeah. when she when she arrived at Africa, she was fired and had the hate of the entire world on her. Just Which is so
0: interesting because she she meant it humorously. I think she,
1: it was just her her humor style, a
0: humor style, but it wasn't taken that way.
1: Yeah. and, and you, she couldn't
0: defend herself because she was on some flight. To Africa. Yeah, so her phone was off
1: for, what, like wow. what, for like 15 hours? Right. And just when she arrived, her entire life was upside down.
0: And then you can't even deal with it because you're in an airport in Africa. <laughs> so, yeah. So it's interesting to see how... Who is this? Justine Sacco. We'll have
1: more information he? about her on the website. Right. You can I'll, I'll like
0: link to a couple <laughs> really interesting uh, articles about what happened to her, but... It's one of those that goes into the social media marketing annals of history.
1: And that's that's, that's one of the things (laughs) I think is so dangerous about social media. It enables our worst instincts. It enables us to really pile on when someone's already down.
0: There's a recent article that says that trolls are normal people, that they don't tend to be these angry people. It's normal people that have a moment of trollism and that a lot of trolls are first-time trolls, and that we just go outside of what we would normally do.
1: Actually, on the topic of trolls, there's a there's a very good, I think it was a podcast episode, I forgot exactly I sure where I that. heard it, but I do remember there was a very good uh, article out there about this woman who basically followed up with her troll. She had been getting trolled by this one person viciously. Right. And what she did was she actually went back and talked to this person, to this troll, and basically began kind of trolling them back, but not really.
0: Fascinating. Um,
1: And just kind of bringing them to awareness and trying to understand who they were. And by the end of it, the person was ashamed of what they'd done. I mean, because you don't see the people on the other side of the screen as people for the most part, especially when it's just... Yeah, we have a dissociative
0: process that takes us apart from that person. It's
1: so easy to see the trend this week, see that, you know, oh God, we're all piling on this person. This person's awfully, obviously a piece of garbage. I'm going to pile on too. Why wouldn't I? They're a piece of garbage and it's fun to make fun of pieces of garbage. I mean, and there's people out there who legitimately say awful, awful things and maybe do this out of the hate. I don't know if that's the case, though, for most people, because these are are comments and thoughts that you maybe put out there but don't
2: represent the entirety of you, and it's so difficult to see that. I feel like I'm really glad I didn't grow up in a time where social media was so ubiquitous, because then otherwise, I feel like everyone would just be getting socially bullied online all the time.
1: Well this is why I think it's so important that kids don't have an account or that you mm-hmm. don't make one for them as babies. And that which is why I find it so weird that growing up with social media always on it, gets, it takes away and I've mentioned before, this before you
0: formulated who you are and have built resilience yes. and everything because everything, yeah there's there's an there's age where it's connection. appropriate. Yeah. yeah
2: just think about this. I bet you over 95% of babies that are born, they have their picture taken within the first 24 hours of their existence. Probably so,
0: within the first hour of their existence. First yeah. hour.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I so know for she, my
0: you know my niece when she one of my nieces when she was born and I was there in the hospital and I mean the iPhones
1: were out. Yeah. Probably taken and shared. Yeah, that's... Yeah. So and knows. shared. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. And that's the thing. Like, you don't have a chance to ever redefine yourself if you're if you're growing up with social media. Yeah, what was your that's, first pose? Yeah, <laughs> that's all out there. And you also don't get to redefine what your humor says about you. Well, and I, I did really aggressive air quotes over humor. <laughs> because people's humor evolves, right? Yeah. People's tastes change, especially from, like, childhood. What you laugh at.
0: Yeah. changes which is what ray said earlier. Yeah. And yeah and that's
1: a very cogent point because since what you what you find funny changes you also change who you're punching down to or up at right and when it with when it comes to comedy i mean a lot of comedy involves punching down down to or up at someone right Generally, up at is what we prefer. Not we, necessarily. Can you define
2: those, both those scenarios?
1: I don't well, think I that idea. all
0: humor no, is think, making fun think, of someone.
1: Well, of course not. But I mean, the idea that there's a lot of humor making fun of people, right? There's a lot of humor making, fun, making fun of. Or fun of ourselves, of, I guess. No, but the, of society. So society is this big crushing thing. Mm-hmm. And humor can be a way of punching up at society. Mm-hmm. Um, but it can also be a way of basically punching down on some a of group that we find hilarious by fact
2: that they are lesser some way. Things that we try to hide in society are the same things that are also really funny. If you think about, like, you know, you're you're eating dinner, and you're with like a group of your friends and family, and then you, you need to you need to pass gas, let's say, and you know it's it's not one of those silent ones, and you have to you have to like. Um, uh, but if you did right, speaking from experience here, it's funny. In fact, almost to everybody, and it doesn't. But there's still that like something else is guiding your decision that's not the individuals that are sitting around you because each individual i think would laugh in a, the right setting maybe i'm wrong maybe this is. are you advocating
1: for a comedy god
2: i think there are plenty of comedy gods that we can summon if we, if we so decide to but right now i'm just talking about being aware of those moments where society overtakes your decision making Oh, where you
1: choose not to do something that would otherwise be funny because you're worried about the setting,
0: the implications, the, the context, the
2: context implications. Yeah, yeah You're not I mean, in your the... natural funny environment.
0: Yeah, right. right. Well, Which let's... is usually
2: like in a, you know, a homey place. You can say not necessarily traveling. There's I feel definitely like,
0: a different comedy that happens at home than happens maybe another. I think of that's
2: games. just an
1: issue of just being comfortable and. You Knowing your audience. That's and that's one of those things why when you get too comfortable on social media, you get in trouble. Because you're going to say things that are maybe okay with your close friends. And I'm not saying necessarily that this is because you're a hateful person and you wanted to say hateful things. But maybe you just wanted to say a joke that your friends find funny and doesn't actually hurt anyone in that setting. Because your friends are a certain way. But when said out loud and mis- taken the way it is by you know the outside world, maybe seen as... Absolutely horrendous.
2: There are group chats in which I get uh, messages or images that are other people in my other group, like circle of friends would just find very offensive. But, you know, that group finds very funny. So,
0: you know, laughter is something we do when we're anxious, right? We laugh. Sometimes. At, Some people are nervous lappers. You know, and I feel like there's a lot of anxiety. Laughter is also a medicine for anxiety in many ways. Like laughter heals us. And I wonder if... I'm too anxious about what people think that I don't enjoy life enough. Like, I don't enjoy... You don't the, find comedy is
1: a lot because you're anxious about the, about the right,
0: comedy. Right, about what, you know, will people actually understand what I'm saying versus taking it out of context?
1: I think, since we are in a very public format, podcasting, everything we put out is now part of the public record, It our temptation is to try to make it as... In, as, try to avoid injury as much as possible. We don't want to hurt people. That's sure. because you know no one likes to hurt people. I mean, apart from people who enjoy that, which I guess completely invalidates my point. But that aside, we we generally don't like to go out of our way and hurt people out there. And so we try to watch what we say when we're recording something, right? And this, but the same thing applies on social media. You try to a degree it's to be. To censor yourself to make sure that you're not hurting people if necessary, at least if that's not your audience.
2: Right. And that's actually a challenge, I think, sometimes, because your audience, as it as an audience grows, you have to consider more individual thought patterns and thought processes. And sometimes what I've learned it's best just not to consider any of them. Just totally disregard your audience. And create this novel thought pattern that people will just become inclined to want to listen to. Because because probably the only reason is because it is novel. Because it's like something that is maybe ideas or thoughts that they haven't had from other environments. And this is like a new environment, a new thought pattern. So it's kind of an attractive... Um, but does message. that mean?
1: But does that mean you have to be to insult people or to be
2: injurious? Absolutely like, do not. You,
1: do you need to provoke outrage? Absolutely not. Now, but, but I think right?
2: what I'm saying is there's outrage and all these things have been rare in our society before. Just people avoided conflict, generally speaking. But now we can broadcast things, which makes it much easier to inflict conflict. <laughs> but, I
0: feel like I I'm not can't be open. Because I I am afraid that I'm not being PC in some way, or that am I taking every single point of view into account, right? PC, at that point political politically correct, politically correct right? right? And it's important to think about what others feel and think, but at the same time, can you, can I cogitate every point of view at the same time as I talk? And is that a form of self censorship to the point that I'm so worried about every word that comes out of my mouth?
1: I think ultimately. There is, it is impossible for us to avoid, just, it is possible for anyone in any public format to avoid insulting someone. There will always be someone insulted, but that does not mean we should not try. Or and I think that's the key. I think I, what
2: we can try, starting to but I think it's important. Why can't the other side bend a little bit and be more receptive to... And forgiving. Because and the forgiving.
1: other side, the other side is potentially all of humanity. When you put something out on the public record, your audience, even though it's not actually your audience, but your potential audience is literally all of humanity. And there will always be someone in this collective of people that will find something insulting.
2: But what I can argue is that in recent times, that something or that collective has become more open-minded because they have more access to information.
1: Or are we becoming more niche? Favoring, that's which a good question. would, if anything, be the opposite, right? So it's it that's that's one of those things. And again, coming back to the Netflix situation, where if everything kind of core collects you into these small circles, into these mm-hmm. smaller bubbles that are what the system, or I hate using the word the system because that makes it sound like I'm like an anti-establishment, you know, kind of person. Right. I, I think the man. Yeah, uh, but like the whatever the collective of information technology that goes into it basically identifies as this is your circle, this is what the things you like. Let's keep you there. Yeah, there's clusters. We're gonna of- keep giving you the things that you like because that's what you like, and then you don't experience other opinions necessarily. And when you do, it's generally in the context of bad things.
0: I like it when comedians can pull you out of that. So there's this comedian named Angela Johnson who I like, whom I like because she's more more clean comedian. But she tells she does this bit that is uh, where she basically acts as if she's one of those um, manicurists, Korean manicurists. Yeah. And she talks in an accent and and yeah. everything and and makes people laugh hilar- hysterically because it's exactly when you go into any manicure salons what you experience. Before she did that bit in one of her shows, she started talking about different races of, of guys and how they ca- like call on girls, call out girls or whatever. And people were like, uh... They were kind of upset that she was talking about African-American guys a certain way or something. And so then she said well let's let's do the your favorite bit the manicurist bit and everybody cheered like oh the manicurist bit it's a bit. different stereotype right <laughs> and then she she paused and she said oh so it's okay with you ta- that i talk about this racial group a certain or ethnic group a certain way but not this other group and so she kind of called out her own audience mm. on their own bias bias which i think is that's really interesting for a comedian to do because comedians usually just want to make their audience laugh and here she was actually making a statement with her comedy.
2: That's a vex- actually a very interesting point. It's very important. A lot of serious comedians, I think, try to do that and engage the community and society and just make people more aware of the biases that do exist. And I think that's actually
1: comes to the idea that now a comedy is very political to a degree. And that's that's always, there's always been political comedy. That's kind of I mean since Twain we've always had social commentary in the form of humor, right? And that's always one of the most powerful things that humor can do. It can really break down structures. But we're now in an, in a moment where anything can be given some level of political connotation because everything's out there, and anyone can connect make the connections they want to make with their own minds. But even we, with a very minute audience, we are even thinking about the fact about the political implications of the kind of comedy we do on this show. And I don't consider us comedians. We're not. You know, we, we sometimes have, have a good laugh on this show, and we want to make sure that our listeners are feeling comfortable. And, and if they're feeling uncomfortable, it's for the right reasons. It's because we're making you think. That would be my ultimate preferred outcome, and not because we just decided to kick you while you were down. That's not something I want. At least, that's my kind of view on this.
0: I feel like we've turned our topic of laughter into like the most serious <laughs> podcast of all. Of, it's the most serious episode of all our episodes.
1: Because there, there's a, there's a, a line there. You're threading a line. I mean, you're, you're trying not to cross it. But now it sounds
0: like. I mean, this goes back to my sentiment that sometimes we, we're in a culture now where anything can be misconstrued. Anyone can be offended to the point that. You're afraid of talking, and I wonder if, you know, how do you get past the point as a podcaster? It's interesting. It's so meta. We're talking about our own podcasting in the podcast. But how do you get over yourself and your anxiety of the risk? How do you not self censor? How do you not quiet your voice? You choose not to.
2: You can just not think about the future. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, generally speaking. things in the present get replaced replace the past, right? So yeah, it's offensive now and careers can get ended. They can be ended uh, for the things you say, but most likely nothing bad is really going to happen and most people are willing to take that chance and risk. At least the people who do are able to uh, maybe accomplish things that would have been considered risky by somebody else.
0: Right.
1: And I think the idea that you know, you don't want to be crushed by your own fears when you're speaking on any format. I mean, th- it helps to have some idea of this is probably not going to play well, so maybe I shouldn't do it. That's always helpful because fear, in a sense, is a survival mechanism. But we're currently facing a moment where anyone could always, you can always find outrage you can always find outrage, and it's important to, one, try to foster a community among listeners if you have any that can kind of understand you because you need that. And, two, just try to be empathetic. Don't be a monster when you're broadcasting because we don't need to foster outrage unnecessarily. But if you want to say something and it gets misconstrued, I mean, talk with people. Try to understand one side or the other and try to explain your thoughts and I mean, hopefully
0: if people are listening to you, they know that you're trying your best. Like yeah. Hopefully people are giving us a chance and giving each other a chance. That's That'll yeah. bring more laughter into the world. Yeah.
1: And if whatever if whatever happens and there is outrage out there, you deal with it. You just you don't shut down. You go out there, you engage people and you try to, you know, make sure that people understand that none of them came, came from a bad place because none of us I don't think have hatred in us in a way that is really toxic at least no one in this room I don't consider having toxicity <laughs> <laughs> I hope latent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah Ray is seething <laughs> but with that I think we've we've gone into a very interesting place on a topic of, of comedy and laughter as uh Ray, I mean as Stephanie pointed out just just now
0: Laughter starts at the surface, but it goes pretty deep, we found, today.
1: We will talk about this and more in the future. Stay tuned, listener, and come back next week for another exciting episode of...
0: Positive Feedback Loop. Stay crazy. Stay crazy. Stay crazy.